Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This sermon from Sunday, November 6th, continues our series, Stories of Hope. Stories move us, challenge us, and comfort us. So what is the story of scripture that travels well? I want to tell a quick story of a, name, a man named Jack. A man named Jack was driving on a dark country road one night when he got a flat tire. He saw a cabin in the woods and began to walk towards it. He told himself that the person who answered the door would probably be angry and irritated that somebody interrupted his night. In fact, the person would probably harm him. He was probably kind of an angry and irritable person because they're living out in the middle of the woods. Jack convinced himself that the person who lived in the cabin was a menace to society, so when the door opened, Jack punched the man in the nose and ran away. (laughs) So stories, stories are what we're talking about for stories of hope. We, we just heard from Jessica today from Board of Stewards, her story of hope and new hope in the community and what the impact that we have on people's lives. This story gets to teach us a couple of things. It's a fun, engaging story because it keeps leading to another thing. You're like, what's going to happen? What's going on? But then it also shows us this idea of stories that we tell ourselves. Stories that we tell ourselves that eventually affect how we live. This affected Jack so much that he created this whole story that he knew and he was sure this person was bad news. So he punches him and runs away. I don't know what happens after that. It's a story. (laughs) So these stories we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves stories, we hear stories that people are telling us about what's going on in the world. We're in the midst of election season. We're told stories from each side about how things are and how things should be and why you should vote for somebody. And we hear stories every day on the news. We hear stories in our movies, books, magazines, things like that. Stories are everywhere. And stories kind of compel us to do certain things. We have stories of hope, hopefully to kind of compel you to know that this place is a special place and pledge. So today what we're gonna talk about is uh, stories that travel well. What are stories that continue to either evolve or stories that are uh, timeless, they're classic, stories that just you could tell in any circumstance in any place and it would make sense because stories are also very cultural. Some stories that we share here and we could share across the world, maybe in India or a place like that, and it wouldn't make as much sense. Likewise, if we have a story that comes here. So there's always some cultural context to stories. But stories don't just tell us about what happened. Stories also tell us about how the world works in a broad sense. Storytelling helps us to imagine how the world would be if something were different. That's kind of what we try to do up here as pastors each week, is to tell a compelling story from scripture that God is speaking to us and how if we are God's people, if we are the light on the hill, that maybe if we do that, the world may change a little bit by little bit. So what are some stories that are universal, stories that travel well? I can ask you guys, you could either raise your hand or you could shout it out. What's a story to you that you just remember all the time, that it's a classic for you, has traveled throughout your life? 
It's a wonderful life. Think of that because all the Christmas stuff is now out, Randy. We're ready for Christmas season. Any other stories? Christmas Carol. Now we got a Christmas theme going on. What other stories? Little women. Good. Stories have an effect on us. Stories can change how we view the world, how we view ourselves, and our place in it. Now, I joked with Don after the scripture reading that what an inspiring piece of scripture to have to have a time of silent reflection because it's all about instructions. Uh, And the last three chapters of Exodus are all about instructions. Instructions of building the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, which you heard today. It's rather tedious. It's those three, it's three chapters in Exodus that you're just kind of like, I, as a pastor, you wonder, can I just pull anything out of this to preach on? Um, no, you can't. <laughs> but we're going to try. So what we're going to talk about first is before we get to our scripture for today that we read, uh, we need to revisit the biblical story of all the things that happened before this moment, and then we're going to talk about things that happened after. Uh, we're going to have some help from uh, the Bible Project. We've used them before in their videos, uh, so that's going to be what you're seeing up on the screen. So it all starts with uh, a spirit that hovers above the waters, a creator, a spirit that is the author of all reality and being called God. And this God has the power to take the dark chaos in the uncreated world and bring order and beauty in a garden full of life. And to crown this accomplishment, God appoints these creatures called humans, humanity. And they're made as God's image. Which means that they're commissioned to rule this beautiful world on God's behalf by harnessing all of its potential and creating even more beauty and order. This is a story about humans using their power to do meaningful, life-giving work, but the question is how? Humanity now faces a choice that's represented by a fruit tree, so humans could partner with God and find freedom by trusting in God's knowledge of good and evil, or they could seize power and define good and evil on their own, which God warns them will kill them. And they hear the voice of a dark, mysterious creature that tells them the choice is simple. Take the fruit. It will give you power and freedom to rule the world on your own terms. And so they seize this knowledge, and as a result, they become suspicious, self-protective. It leads to fractured relationships, violent power grabs, and ultimately a whole civilization, Babylon, that has redefined evil as good. And so God scatters this corrupted human project. So that's the beginning. It ends on kind of a not fun note. But here's the next part. And here the story of the Bible kind of takes an important turn for us. We see a man and a woman who come out of Babylon, Abraham and Sarah. God's promises that from them will come a new people, a nation that has another chance to make the right choice. And if they succeed, it will open up this new way forward for the rest of humanity. With the Ten Commandments as this way of deciding where to go. It does not go well. Despite God's personal guidance, Abraham's family gives in to the same temptation to redefine good and evil on their own terms. Even when their best people were in charge, rulers who loved God's guidance and had divine wisdom, even they ended up giving in. 
And so Israel was warned by their own prophets that these choices would lead them back to Babylon, this time as conquered captives living in exile. And that's exactly what happened. So even with God's personal guidance, Israel fails. Who can succeed? Well, the prophet said that the story wasn't over. God's going to send a new leader to Israel to cover for their failures and to transform the people's hearts and minds so that they can make the right choice. And so the part of the Bible called the Old Testament ends, and these promises are left hanging. So we'll move back a little bit in history from those two parts back to the Ark of the Covenant. This is when God is telling uh, the people of Israel how to build a temple, how to build this ark. This is all happening after the events of uh, the golden calf and Ten Commandments. And this is interesting in many ways. One of the ways is items carry a story. And this is the whole purpose of this. It's carrying a story. It's carrying the ark. It's, it's carrying the covenant between God and his people. It's carrying the Ten Commandments. It's carrying the story, reminding the people that God is with them and God has made a promise with them. I bet there's an item in your own home that if a nor, like somebody had no idea about it, walked by and saw it, it wouldn't make, there wouldn't be a story to tell for them. They, wouldn't, they would just see, for example... I, have, I was trying to say something that didn't work. So, for example, I have a, a belt buckle uh, in my house uh, on a shelf that says Iowa and it has a barn and a, a tractor or a combine, one of those. And if you just look at that, you're like, oh, it's an old belt buckle. But then if I told you, well, it's a belt buckle from my grandfather who passed away and I could tell you about my grandfather, there's a story behind that item. And this is what this is for the Israelites. I'm sure all of you have an item that uh, may look normal on the outside, but has a story behind it. So the other part of the story that's interesting to me is that we often kind of, if we just read the Bible, if we just read these scriptures from the last three chapters of Exodus, just on its own and just don't take anything from it, but if we dig a little bit deeper into cultural context, it helps us understand what God is doing a lot better. We're thinking maybe this is just God. God needs a temple. God needs to be worshipped. But actually what's going on is actually none of this is inherently Christian that they're doing. God is meeting the people where they're at. Because the people at this time believe that God's, the gods were angry with them, that you had to do things to make the gods pleased with you. If you had a famine, then all, obviously you've done something wrong to upset the gods. And so they would build temples, not for worship, but temples were the place where deities, that would be their residence then. So God saw what humanity had created, and God said, I'm going to use what you have for you to better understand me and our relationship. So God is giving them instructions because at that time, deities had to give you the instruction of the, the idols or the icons or the temples to build for them. So God is meeting people where they're at. He's not forcing the Israelites to be different or to say, you have to do this in order to love me, but he meets them where they're at and he makes it into their culture says, if you want to love me, this is how you can do it. So now the people of Israel know where they stand with God, and they have God dwelling with them, and now they have this Ark of the Covenant, so when they do travel, God is always 
with them. They can rely on this God. A God that was invisible is now visible by material things so that they can understand that God will not leave them. So this is where we kind of end the story with Exodus and the Israelites uh, this week. But we're going to kind of jump ahead. We're going to have a whole, we're going to talk about the whole story of the Bible today. So our next part comes with the New Testament. We're introduced to a man who comes from the line of Israel's kings, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that he was bringing all these promises to their completion. He confronted the dark, mysterious evil that humanity had given into and resisted its power. He then announced that God arrived to rule the world through himself. Jesus taught about God's definition of good and evil, what, he could, what we could never do for ourselves. He came to take the consequences of our evil into himself and sacrificial love proved more powerful than evil, than even death itself. So now humanity is presented with a new choice, represented by a new tree, stick with the old way of being human, or venture into this new way. And in the story, those who chose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power. People who know that they are loved and forgiven by God can become people who love and forgive others in return. So, the Jesus movement quickly spread throughout the world. They went all over the place, forming these new communities of people who follow the way of Jesus. But they faced problems. There was persecution from the outside by people in power, and inside there was confusion, even compromise, because following Jesus is it's pretty hard. And so the movement's leaders called apostles. They wrote letters to confront, comfort, and challenge these communities to safe, stay faithful to Jesus. And they're called to hope for the day when Jesus will come and change everything. And so the Bible ends by pointing to the future day when all wrongs are made right. When evil is eradicated and heaven and earth are united and humanity can rule the world together in the love and power of God as it was originally intended. So this is the story that travels well throughout scripture. The love of God that never gives up, the love of God that, that continues to pursue us, to help us to understand right from wrong, good from evil, to do good in our world. So what does this mean for us? We'll get to that story in just a second. But stories we tell ourselves. Stories we tell ourselves kind of influence how we feel and how we act in the world. So if we're, we're talking about this larger story of scripture, uh, that's going to tell us how to live in the world if we're focusing on that. But there's other things that get in the way, right? Uh, like we said in the last piece, when the new communities were forming, there was a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion for us as well. Where does God want us to go? What does that story say to us here and now when it's a vastly different culture? I think one of the things I hear often right now uh, in the world because of COVID and everything, how it accelerated the decline of the church that was happening for a long time, the question is always, or the narrative and story is always, the church is dying. The church is dying. We need to do more to get more people in here. We need to do more to get younger families. We need to do more to raise more money. And so all of these anxieties, all these worries, the story we're telling ourselves affects how we actually do our work and ministry 
in the world. This, this idea of church dying, it kind of drums up fear. It drums up urgency. It says we have to get to action, right? So I want to kind of compare it to the story of Apple in some way. That Apple, for a long time in the 80s and 90s, was written off, right? It was like, oh, it's that alternative to Windows. It's not very good. And now, where are they? Billion-dollar business across the world. It's the one thing that most people use now, right? You don't, you don't have an iPhone, do you, Don? Oh, you do. Okay, never mind. He doesn't have a MacBook, so it makes it harder for me to... Anyway, so... But he has an iPhone, so it works well. But this idea of the church, the church is never going to go away. It may change. It may morph. It may evolve into something different. Our idea of church right now may not be here in 50 years, but the church isn't going away. If the church is faithful, it won't go away. It takes faithfulness. It doesn't take flashiness. It takes faithfulness, not power. It takes faithfulness, not control. As long as we're faithful to the story of Christ, to the story of God, to continue to pursue others, to tell them about the good news and love of Christ for all people. It kind of reminds me of when certain teams aren't doing well in the season. <laughs> you count them out, but they could always come back and make a run for it. This, this works for both the Broncos and the Packers, just so you know, this year. By the way, 2010, the Packers won the Super Bowl, and they were counted out as well that year, and they lost six games. So we only have one loss to go, but <laughs> we have to win the rest of the games after that. So this, this story we tell ourselves, it's dying, but there's, we, we gotta do everything we can. Well, how about we just be faithful? Because that's what the nothing can stop us. It may be rough for a while, may not have the same numbers. I know in our society we, we, we make things all about numbers. How many congregation members do you have? How, what's your budget? It's all about numbers. But in the kingdom of God is not about numbers. It's about story. It's about that story that compels us each and every day. What's, this story somehow affects each person in here because you keep coming back to worship on Sundays. What's wrong with you? You're believing this story. That's a good thing. The biblical writers uh, use story all the time because it, it moves us. You can't just say something. So Jesus could have said, God's love is boundless. But instead, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son to help us understand it. God could just tell us, try to influence the community around you for good. But instead, he states, you are light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. These are metaphors and stories to help compel us to do what God is asking of us. So I think God's story travels well. First, we're in the garden and God is with us. This is our duty that we are with God, we are creating, we are part of this world with God, creating and taking care of it. 
Then along the way, after the fall and, and things aren't going so well, God says, I will give you a temple so that you know I am still with you. This is where I dwell. After that didn't work so well, Jesus comes. It's God saying, I am now here with you. I am actually one of you. This is what God looks like. This is what God requires of you. This whole life of Jesus is showing you who God is. And then after Jesus, God sends the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. So now we are the temple. And that God is always with us, no matter what. We don't need an Ark of the Covenant. We don't need a temple to know that God is with us. God lives within us. So today I ask you, what story is traveling with you? What story are you listening to? There's a lot of stories out there to listen to. A lot of stories that will move us to act differently in our world. So what are the stories you're listening to? And for the biblical story that we talked about today, where do you think you fit into that? How do you fit into that story? What are the gifts that God has given you to help come alongside God to create, to redeem, to forgive, to love? Where do you fit in that story? Because I think God is different. This is what God is telling us. This is the story that travels well from the beginning to the end of the Bible, that this God is different. This God is near, this God is personal, and this God loves. That's a message that gets told again and again and again because we forget, we have short memories, So this is a story that travels well because God often, just like in the temple with the Ark of the Covenant, with Jesus for all the things, God meets us where we're at and uses the things that we know, the materials that we know. So for like communion today, God's using natural materials and elements that we have to convey something bigger. And so at this table, we come together today because it's a place that reminds us that this God is different, that this God is near, that this God is personal. And it's the place where we share it together in love and community. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.